More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. There was an interview that was done where Biden officials are actually saying that the pandemic lockdowns were worth it because pollution was falling during the lockdowns. And now they're claiming that actually, whether you understood it or not, it was helping the quality of your life. They also said that, quote, many people enjoyed being in an environment instead of being at work. Again, saying that the lockdowns were a good thing. Now, during this interview on ABC News on Monday, the outgoing Assistant Secretary for Oceans and International Environmental and Scientific Affairs, yeah, you're paying for that position, at the Department of State, stated that during the lockdowns that took place during the coronavirus pandemic, many people, quote, really appreciated how much they enjoyed getting to be in the environment more days than they would if they had been at work and that we saw pollution levels go down and people went, huh, my quality of life is a little bit better now because they didn't have to worry as much about air pollution as they did before. Medina said that, a quote, a lot of people during the pandemic discovered a greater appreciation for the environment because they were at home. When they went outside, they really appreciated how much they enjoyed getting to be in the environment more days than they would if they would have been in the office. And in fact, we saw pollution levels go down and people went, huh, my quality of life is a little bit better now that I don't have to worry about whether it's code red day or smog or air pollution day. So people did become more aware and that is a good thing. All right. So you're telling me now that the Saving grace of COVID and lockdowns for two years and destroying people's lives and putting people into deep depression, suicide rates, especially among young people, skyrocketing during COVID is somehow actually a good thing that we were shut off from our family and our friends where people suffered from serious clinical depression. Suicide rates skyrocketed as well. At least the people that didn't kill themselves saw a beautiful world outside And they didn't have to go to work. And so, therefore, this is a good thing that maybe we should do again in the future. Because that's what they're really now telling you the truth of of this. There was a point, I want to make this clear. 
during these lockdowns, right after the just give us two weeks lockdown, right? When, you know, that was the thing. Just give us two weeks. After those two weeks were up and then it turned into two months, six months, eight months, eight, there was a certain point where they realized this is really about control. Like th- this is not a, a, about anything else but control. Like, control here is pretty much everything. We like control. We want to have a lot of that control. Control is something that we think is a good thing. So now we know what it is. We know that the control is clearly there. And they can decide when to shut you down and when to lock you down, when to silence you. That's what they're going to do. I'll have more on this story coming up. Back to the other story I wanted to talk to you about. Elon Musk sat down for a very interesting interview with Tucker Carlson about shedding jobs at Twitter and how easy it is to run a big tech company with a much smaller staff when you're not trying to be a woke organization that is trying to silence and censor people and pick winners and losers when you tweet. I want you to hear part of that conversation. It's an important one and see how just how different Twitter is now and what all he actually found in his own words. Elon Musk bought Twitter because he used Twitter. It's as simple as that. And he was infuriated by Twitter's effort to silence people on the Internet. That's how strongly he believed in free speech. He paid $44 billion and immediately lost tens of billions of dollars doing it. And when he took over and looked behind the curtain, he discovered Twitter was really a tool of the global intel agencies to spy on people and emit propaganda. Here it is. You bought Twitter famously. You've got a lot of other businesses and a lot going on. Yes. You said you bought it because you believe in speech, free speech. You've had a lot of hassle since you bought it. In retrospect, was it worth buying it? I mean, it remains to be seen as to whether this was uh, financially smart. Uh, currently, it is. It is not. Uh, you know, we just revalued the company at less than half of uh, the acquisition price. Did you really? Yes. Um, <laughs> um, no, it, my my timing was terrible for for when the uh, offer was made because it was uh, you know right before advertising plummeted and yeah. um, you you caught the high water mark. I noticed. Yeah, yeah. So I must be a real genius here. Um, <laughs> My, my timing is amazing, <laughs> um, since I had bought it for at least twice as much as it should have been bought for. Um, but some things are priceless. And um, so the, the, whether I lose money or not, that is a secondary issue compared to uh, ensuring the uh, strength of democracy. Uh, and free speech is the bedrock of a functioning democracy. Yes. Um, and any, the, the speech needs to be as uh, transparent and truthful as possible. Um, so we've, we've got a, a huge push uh, on Twitter to be as truthful as possible. We've got this uh, community notes feature, which is great. It um, is great. It is awesome. Yeah. Um, and it's like... I saw it this morning. Yeah. It was far more honest than the New York Times. It's, it's great. Yeah. We put a lot of effort to ensuring that community notes does not get gamed or, or have biases. Uh, it is simply cares about what, what is the most accurate thing. Um, and, you know, sometimes truth can be a little bit elusive, but you, yes. but you can still aspire to get closer to it. Yes, um, uh, you know, and so, um, and and I think the the effect of uh, community notes uh, is more powerful than than people may realize because once people know that they they could get noted, um, you know, community noted on Twitter, then uh, they'll think the 
more carefully about what they say. Uh, they are likely, it, basically, it's an encouragement to be more truthful and less deceptive. When you jumped into this, though, when you bought it, did you understand, well, clearly you understood its importance, you wouldn't have bought it. Uh, Twitter, yes. Right. But it, it's not the biggest, but it's the most important in the social media companies. But did you understand the kind of ferocity you'd be facing, the attacks you'd be facing from power centers in the country? Um, I thought there'd probably be some um, negative reactions, yes. <laughs> uh, so I'm, not, I'm sure everyone would not be pleased with, the, with, with it. Um, but um, at the end of the day, you know, if, if, if the public is happy with it, that's what matters. Um, and the public will speak with their actions. Oh, they'll, they'll, I mean, the, the, you, if, if they find truth, Twitter to be useful, they will use it more. And if they find it to be not useful, they will use it less. If they find it to be the best source of truth, I think they will use it more. You know, now, there's, there's obviously a lot of um, organizations that are used to having sort of unfettered influence uh, on Twitter um, that no longer have that. We used and to the New York Times of their of their badge this morning, and then you called them diarrhea. You called them. <laughs> you did. You did. I'm just I'm just quoting you. You you, yes. you described their Twitter feed as diarrhea. I, I said it was the Twitter equivalent Twitter equivalent of diarrhea. Okay, it's not literally diarrhea, but no, no it's a yeah. you know it's a, it's a metaphor, um, <laughs> but an accurate one. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, if you look at the uh, at NY Times uh, Twitter feed, it's uh, unreadable. Uh, it's like, they, because what they do is they, they tweet every single article, even the ones that are uh, boring, even ones that don't make it into the paper. So, uh, so it's just nonstop, is zillion tweets a day with no, uh, you know, they, they really should just be saying, like, what are the top tweets? What are the big stories of the day? Uh, I don't know, put out, like, 10 or something, you know, so some number that's manageable, um, as opposed to right now, if you, if you were to follow uh, NY, at NY Times on Twitter, you're going to get barraged with like hundreds of tweets a day. Yeah. Um, and your whole feed will be filled with NY Times. So um, that, that's, that's uh, this is something I would recommend actually for all publications, uh, which is uh, for your primary feed, um, only put out your best stuff. I think I know a thing or two about how to use Twitter because, uh, you know, I, I was the most interacted with account on the whole system uh, before the acquisition, before, before the acquisition closed. I didn't have the most number of followers, but I had the most number of interactions. And so I clearly know uh, something about how to use Twitter. You know, people's attention is limited, so just make sure you put the stuff that's most important there. Because, you know, you and people like you do interact on Twitter, it's obviously enormously powerful in shaping public opinion. It's where a lot of ideas and trends are incubated. Yeah. You know, that's why you Absolutely. bought it. It's also a magnet for intel agencies from around the world. And yes. one of the things we learned after you started opening the books is that they were exerting influence from within Twitter. I mean, it was absurd. Um, Did you know that going in? No. Since I've been a heavy Twitter user since 2009, um, my, it's, it's sort of like I'm in the matrix. I mean, I can see, like, things, do things feel right? Do they not feel right? What, what tweets are, am I being shown as recommended? Uh, like, like I, I get a feel, like, what, what accounts are making comments? Uh, where are the comments uh, eerily similar? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then you look at the account, and it's just obviously a fake photo. And, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 it's, it's just obviously a bot cluster. Uh, yes. Over and over again. So I started to get like just more and more uneasy about the the, the Twitter situation. I started I was starting to feel like something's wrong in the state of Denmark here. There's, there's, there's something feels wrong about the platform. 
it's, it seemed to be just drifting in, in a, I, I couldn't place it exactly, just ahead of, it, it felt like it was drifting in a bad direction. So then I was like, and, and my conversations with the, the board and management seemed to confirm my intuition about that. But basically I was convinced these guys do, do not care about fixing Twitter. Uh, and, and, uh, and I had a bad feeling about where I was headed based on the conversations I had with them. So then I was like, you know what, I, I, I'll try acquiring it and see if, that's, see if acquiring it is, is possible. Um, now I didn't have enough cash to acquire it, so I would need you know support from others, um, from some of the existing investors. Uh, I would also need like a lot of debt, and um, so it wasn't clear to me whether a, an acquisition would succeed. But I thought I would try, and uh, ultimately it, it did succeed. Anyway, here we are. Um, but when you got there, and all of a sudden you own it, and all the data on the servers belongs to you, and well, it belongs be- to the people in my view. But yes. But, but you can see what it is, and you can yes. see what they've been doing, and you can see who's been working there. You, you were shocked to find out that various intel agencies were affecting its operations? Uh, the, the, the degree to which uh, various government agencies had effectively had full access to everything that was going on on Twitter uh, blew my mind. Um, I was not aware of that. Would that include people's DMs? Uh, yes. Yes, because the DMs are not encrypted. So one of the first, you know, one of the things that we're about to release uh, is the ability to encrypt your DMs. That's pretty heavy duty, though, because a lot of well-known people, reporters talking to their sources, government officials, the richest people yeah. in the world, sure. they're DMing each other. And the assumption, obviously, it was incorrect, but was that that's private, but that was being read by various governments? Uh, yeah, that seems to be, yes. It's scary. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, so... Uh, like I said, we're moving to um, have the DMs be optionally encrypted. I mean, you know, there's like a lot of DM conversations which are, you know, just chatting with friends. It's For sure. not, not not important. Of course. Um, it's hopefully coming out later this month, uh, but no later than next month, uh, is the ability to toggle encryption on, on or off. So if you if you ha- are in a conversation you think is sensitive, you can just toggle encryption on, and then no one on Twitter can see wh- what you're talking about. They, they could put a gun to my head, and I couldn't, I couldn't tell I couldn't... Uh, the, the, you know, that, that's sort of the gun to the head test. If, if somebody puts a gun to my head, and I, can I still not uh, see your DMs? That should be that's the acid test. Yes. Um, and that's how that's that's how it should be if you want your. Have you had complaints? By, by the way, let's just pause there and stop for a second and just think about what he just said. The federal government could then spy on anything in your sources through direct messages. There's a lot of people that have contacted me for background and government agencies and stories and local government, state government, national. There are people that have been like, hey, don't use my name, but I want you to know this is what's going on here or there or here or there. And when you hear that, right, um, now to know that they could just read that. They could read the DMs of the president of the United States of America, Donald Trump. They could read senators or congressmen. I've had senators and congressmen who have sent me things, right? Um, Who who have sent me different things that need to be, you know, talked about. Those could be read by Twitter or other people in the government. Hey, what's Ben Ferguson sending messages about? What is Senator Marsha Blackburn sending things about? What is Bill Haggerty sending things about? What is... Ted Cruz sending DMs about. I've had people in government that have sent me stories. They're like, hey, you might want to look into this for this reason. 
FYI, I can't come out and say anything about this, but you can. And apparently now that was being read or could be read by the federal government. Your direct messages, that's what a DM is, is no longer a private conversation, which the word direct implies, right? Not indirect, not through the government first or after or in between, not through Twitter employees before, after, or in between. What if you send something that's inappropriate? And I'm talking about like humor that someone might judge you for later that, that, that pushes a line. They could read that, use it against you later in life. What if you send something funny from a stand-up comedian that makes an off-color joke? I've done that before, something I would never tweet out because it would start a firestorm, right? That is pure humor that you send to a family member or a friend. Yes, the federal government and yes, Twitter employees could read every one of your direct messages. That put people's lives at risk. Sources, uh, whistleblowers, uh, those inside and outside the government who may be trying to get the word out to journalists and others of what's really happening. Uh, every, almost every media tip that I receive, uh, or I should say every government, inside government tip that I receive comes in through a DM. People will reach out to you on social media because they don't, I mean, how else are they going to reach out to you and, and know it's you, right? Um, and they'll send it. Hey, can, you know, and, and, and some people are smart, like, hey, I need to chat with you. But even that right there is enough to be like, oh, this person works here. They're whistleblowing on this. We need to let them know what's happening. Like even that right there, just saying, can we talk offline? I, I, I got one of these a couple weeks ago and it's a big story that I'm still working on. And it was, can we talk offline? That right there is enough for somebody in the government to figure it out. Now, before I get into more of this story, I want to say thank you and tell you about our good friends at Augusta Precious Metals. You can get free gold just by learning about gold IRAs from Augusta Precious Metals. It's important that you know what's going on in this crazy economy and your hard-earned savings need protecting from the devalued dollar, protecting from the devalued dollar, especially if you're close to retirement. Augusta Precious Metals will give you information on how to protect your savings and open a gold IRA. So if you've saved at least 100000 for retirement, call and ask about their ultimate guide to gold IRAs. I trust Augusta Precious Metals, and you can too. They will make sure that you understand what is best for you and your portfolio. There's a reason. Money Magazine says they are the best gold IRA company. Get free gold, free information, and retirement protection now by calling 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877, the number 4, Gold IRA or AugustaPreciousMetals.com. So imagine that you were doing this and you're trying to get a story out and you find out that Twitter, anybody at Twitter, any employee or government official basically could read your direct messages, which are supposed to be direct, meaning to you. And that's and and, and the question is, you know, is there ability to sue the old people of Twitter for knowing that this abuse of power was taking place while they tried to claim that it would be a direct message, not you and the government, not you and Twitter employees, a direct message. And how often were they reading these DMs? I'm sure, depending on who you are, they could be reading them quite often. Depending on what you do, depending on what stories you're breaking. Imagine you're a reporter, you come out with a big story. They could probably go backwards and read your DMs. Here's the last part of that interview with Tucker Carlson. From various governments about doing this? I haven't had direct complaints to me. I've had sort of like some indirect complaints. I think people are a little concerned about complaining to me directly in case I tweet about it. <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> they're like, uh-oh. Uh, so they're sort of trying to be more roundabout than that. 
you know, I mean, if, if, if I got something that was uh, unconstitutional from the U.S. government, I would say, my reply would be to send them a copy of the you know, First Amendment and just say, like, what, what part of this are we getting wrong? <laughs> you have a lot of government. You have a lot of government contracts. What part of this so, are we getting wrong? Please tell me. I mean, it's a pretty. No, I'm just saying. But you're kind of exposed in your other businesses. So this is a, just in case our viewers aren't following this. This is not. You're not just like a journalist taking a stand on behalf of the First Amendment. You're a guy with big government contracts, giving the finger to the government. Do you think um, Twitter will be as central to this presidential campaign as it was in the last several? I think it will play a significant role in elections, not just domestically, but internationally. The goal of new Twitter is to be um, as fair and even-handed as possible, uh, so not favoring any political uh, ideology, uh, but uh, just um, yeah, be, being, being, uh, being fair at all. Why doesn't uh, Facebook do this? I know that Zuckerberg has said, and I take him at face value, that he... <laughs> I, I, well, I do, I do actually, really? in this way that he is a kind of old-fashioned liberal who doesn't like to censor. He has, but he, you know, like, why wouldn't a company like that take the stand that you have taken? Which is pretty American traditional political custom, you know, for free speech. My understanding is that um, Zuckerberg spent uh, $400 million in the last election, nominally in a get-out-the-vote campaign, but really fundamentally in support of Democrats. Is that accurate or not accurate? That is accurate. Yes. Does that sound unbiased to you? No, it doesn't. Yes. So you don't see hope that Facebook will approach this as a, a, a non-aligned arbiter. You've allowed Donald Trump back on Twitter. He hasn't taken you up on your offer because he's got his own thing. Right. Do you think he will go back on Twitter? Well, that's that's obviously up to him. Um, you know, my, my, my job is to, uh, I, you know, I, I take freedom of speech just very seriously so it, it's um you know i didn't i didn't vote for donald trump i actually voted for biden i'm not saying i'm, I'm a huge fan of biden because I, I i would think that would probably be inaccurate uh but um you know we have difficult choices to make in these presidential uh, yep. elections it's not i i i would prefer frankly that we 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 put someone, just a normal person, <laughs> as president, yep. a normal person with common sense, uh, and whose values are smack in the middle of the country, you know, just you know, center of the normal distribution, and uh, I think they'll be, that they would be great. You know, I think we have made maybe being president not that much fun, you know, <laughs> to be totally frank. Subscribe to the Fox News YouTube channel to. That is part of that interview. Uh, and I want you to know that I think what Elon Musk did was not just incredibly brave. Some would say it was financially insane. And I think that's how much he cared about exposing not just what big tech was doing, but also actual free speech. He's got more money than he knows what to do with, and now he's lost a lot of it trying to fix some of these problems that we have in the world, which I think is just amazing. I give a lot uh, of credit to Elon Musk for doing this, for exposing it, and also sitting down and having these conversations. The amount of abuse of power that the federal government had, the amount of abuse of power to just dive into your private personal life and your DMs that they had access to, unlimited access to, 
tells you just how corrupt they actually are. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Joe Biden. Remember Joe Biden, the guy who touted the disinformation letter in the presidential debate, saying there are 50 former national intelligence officials that are saying that this is Russian disinformation, the Hunter Biden laptop story. We now know they lied, and we now know they're how they covered it up. This is back in Nashville on October 22nd, right before the presidential election in 2020. Listen to the president in his own words. Look, Very there are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. They have said that this is, has all the care. Four, five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes it except the, his and his good friend, Rudy Gianni. You mean the laptop is now another Russia, Russia, Russia hoax? And that's exactly it. what is this that's where exactly you're going? What this is going. where he's going. Yeah. They were lying to you. Everybody now knows they were lying to you. Those intelligence officials knew they were lying to you. Okay, everybody involved was lying to you. These top Russian officials were covering it up because they wanted to cook the books. Okay, they wanted to cook the books. They wanted to make sure that they got their guy in the White House that they could control, and that's what they've done. They can now control him. They can control them, and it's pretty much perfect now. Biden touting that group, we now know, is a lie. We've known it for some time, but now it's been confirmed on a new letter, a new level, I should say. We have congressmen now coming out talking about what this means. I, I also have to go back and just remind you of something else that happened. Um, and and this, is, this is just another example of the pure arrogance of this administration. This administration has known that the media would cover them no matter what they did. Right. No, no, ma- no matter what they did, they were going to do this. They were going to cover. And now, and now and now you have people like CBS News that are being forced to report what really happened with this cover up. CBS Evening News, Nora, Nora O'Donnell had this on last night. 
My client wants to come forward to Congress. He's ready to be questioned about what he knows and what he experienced under the proper legal protections. Attorney Mark Lytle's client is a supervisory special agent at the IRS who's prepared to tell Congress the investigation he's been working on has been hampered by what he thinks is special treatment. Typical steps that a law enforcement investigator would take were compromised because of political considerations. Lytle wouldn't talk in specifics, declining to identify either his client or the target of the investigation his client helped conduct. Can you identify him? I can't at this stage, Jim. But CBS News has learned the investigation the whistleblower worked on is about Hunter Biden. What we're doing is, is being completely cooperative. That was Biden two years ago, after the DOJ opened an investigation into his finances. The FBI collected what it believed was sufficient evidence to charge Biden with tax crimes. And last year, sent its findings to the U.S. attorney in Delaware. Since then, silence. Why can't your client talk to us directly at this point? There are laws that provide protection to whistleblowers. And he has to navigate that. Today, Lytle sent this letter to Congress, claiming his client could provide information that would contradict sworn testimony by a senior political appointee. I have promised to ensure that he's able to carry out uh, his investigation. CBS News has learned that was Attorney General Merrick Garland. That was Attorney General Merrick Garland. Oh, okay. Well, that's kind of important information. Right? right? I mean, that's that's kind of important yeah, that's just how we roll. That's just what we do. That's how all this is going to happen. The media will cover for us because the media always covers for us. There's also something else they said in this report from NBC News last night. That this IRS agent who's seeking whistleblower status in the Hunter Biden case. Here's what NBC News had to say. Listen carefully. Two senior law enforcement officials describing to NBC News growing frustration inside the FBI because federal investigators finished the bulk of their work about a year ago and suspect political interference is delaying the process. So now a growing frustration is happening inside the FBI because federal investigators finished the bulk of their work about a year ago and the Hunter Biden investigation, but suspect, quote, political interference is delaying the process. Oh, okay. So let's go back to ABC News. What are they saying over at ABC News? Now, this is the first time they've all three covered this in the same night. An attorney for Hunter Biden says the agent is committing a crime by discussing an ongoing tax investigation in an attempt to harm the president's son. But the whistleblower's attorney just told me such claims are baseless. Baseless, I tell you. They're baseless, right? Baseless. These are baseless claims. Baseless. I think we all know that's a lie now. I think we all know there's nothing even close to that. We know it's real. We know what's going on with it. We understand what's happening with it. Now, this is the media for the first time I've ever seen them cover it this way. That's something that people really need to understand. I also want you to hear from Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan had this to say on Fox about what's happening with the Attorney General Garland. Here's what he said on Fox. Listen. This has been political from the get-go, clear back to the Morrell situation when 
The story came out on October 14th, 2020, about the Biden business operation and was then Vice President Joe Biden involved. There was some concern that that, that he was. And then quickly it turns in this political operation, that, that letter that became the basis for suppressing the story and keeping it from the American people just days before the most important election we have, election for president of the United States. So understand what happened, Laura. The 14th, the Post does a story. The 17th, Tony Blinken, senior advisor to the Biden campaign, current secretary of state, contacts Mike Morrell, gets him interested in this. Mike Morrell looks at it the next day, organizes on the 18th. All these other people to sign the letter. The 19th, the letter goes out. And then on the 22nd, the reason Mike Morrell said he did the letter was he thought President Trump would bring the issue up during that debate on the 22nd of, of October. And of course he did. And they wanted some statement that Joe Biden could use because, as Mr. Morrell said, they wanted him to win. Yeah, and what well, happens on the 22nd? Yeah. Joe Biden brings it up. And, it, and then after that debate, here's the kicker. Steve Reschetti, chair of the Biden campaign, calls up Mike Morrell and thanks him for doing it all. It was a total political operation. And the most important fact is, Laura, it was false. It wasn't Russian disinformation. Yeah. The laptop story looks to be true. It wasn't false information. The laptop story is true. Share this podcast with your family and friends. Hit that little forward arrow and text it or put it on social media. Also, hit that auto-download or subscribe button so you get this podcast each and every day for free. And I'll see you back here tomorrow. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.